This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So we've been in a, a series here that we started a few weeks ago. It's called Above All Else. And today is going to be part three of this series. And uh, and so I'm going to speak on some stuff that God uh, has uh, laid on my heart for us to talk about. Um, but the, the whole premise of the entire series is a very important Bible verse, a very key verse uh, for every Christian everywhere. And uh, it's really a verse that I try to build my life upon. And it's Proverbs 4 and verse 23, Proverbs 4 and verse 23. And so uh, if you want to grab that real quick, Proverbs 4, 23, you can flip over there. Amen. I'm going to read it in the NLT. But this is so key to the success of your life. And I think a lot of times people are like, man, I just don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening. Why me? Why this, God? Can you tell me what's going on? And really, uh, if you if you get into the word of God, you can find your answers and you can find uh, maybe why some things are going on. And sometimes we have unknowingly opened up the door for the enemy to come in and do some things in our life. And oftentimes our natural reaction is, well, I got, I'm going to blame this guy because, you know, he's a jerk. I'm going to blame this person over here or God forbid that we blame God. But I see people do that and, and, and they blame God for their problems. And, and so there's a lot of confusion. But I believe this one verse right here can answer a whole lot of the questions that people may have as to why is this going on? Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says, guard your heart. Above all else. Somebody say above all else. Above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. One translation says, for it affects everything that you do. Now, uh, to review just a little bit, is this talking about the organ inside of your chest? Thank you, Melinda. This is talking about the blood pump. No, this is talking about your spirit. Because, again, the majority of times that you hear the scripture refer to your heart, it is talking about your spirit, the innermost part of who you are. And so it tells you that you've got to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead and then you'll be saved. That's talking about your spirit. And so this is the most important part of who you are. You as a human being are a three part being because you're made in the image of God and God is three parts. He's father, son, Holy Spirit. And you as a human are spirit, soul and body. And we all get tripped up about this body part when reality that's only one third of who you are. And it's actually the least part of who you are. Because this body, it's going to die someday and be buried in the ground and it's going to turn back to dust. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We return back to where we came from. But the spirit on the inside of me, it's going to be alive a thousand years from now. A million years from now, a billion years from now, my spirit is still going to be alive. Yet most people spend all their time, money and energy guarding the very least part of who they are. I encourage you. To guard your body. I encourage you to exercise, to eat healthy, and to do good things for your body. Praise God. But how dare you and shame on you if you do all of that and you don't do anything at all to guard the real you, your heart and your spirit. And then get mad at God when things go wrong and you didn't do anything at all to guard your heart. 
you let negative, wrong, nasty people have input into your life, and they shouldn't. You let, you, you know, you, you let circumstances, you let the devil, we, we let things get to our heart and don't make any attempt to stop it or block it and guard it. Yet again, we'll spend thousands of dollars on a gym membership. We'll do all sorts of things for our soul, which is our mind and our emotions. We'll spend money to go do fun things, and that's great. But it's shameful if we take care of the body and the soul and we don't do anything at all for the spirit. And the Bible says that's the number one thing you should be guarding and taking care of. And so a lot of our issues come from we did not guard our heart. Now, I understand that that can be easier said than done, but the Bible tells us how to do it. One thing it says is to hold up the shield of faith in Ephesians chapter 6. It says it stops all the fiery arrows of the wicked one. And how does faith come? By hearing the word of God. If you don't ever have any Bible time, it's going to be impossible for you to guard your heart. So, amen. But praise God for all that. The... uh the point today is this, the, the, the main thing we're talking about today is this, to guard your heart from becoming lukewarm. We're going to talk today about guarding your heart from becoming lukewarm. And you're like, well, what does that mean? Now, if you've been a Christian very long, you've heard this phrase because it's a Bible phrase that Jesus said. And maybe if you're new to, to the faith, new to being a Christian, you're like, well, I've never heard of such a thing. So let's look this morning at Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, that's going to be our opening passage. Can we get some excitement for God's word today? Amen. I'm excited that I have a Bible. I'm excited that I've got the Bible in English. Now, you need to pray for my Bible because it is severely falling apart. I really need to get this. <laughs> Man, I had somebody that was going to rebind it, and then they, they decided that they were going to go out of business. So, hey, praise God. But I don't want to have to buy a new one. Man, I've spent years with this thing. I don't want to get a new one. Anyway, I'm, I'm venting. I'm giving you my personal issues. I'm sorry. I shouldn't even be venting to you. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. And if you read these first few chapters of Revelation, Jesus comes and, and he speaks to seven churches that are there in this, uh, this ancient, uh, empire. And one of them is this church at Laodicea. It's a, a, a city. This is a real city back then called Laodicea. And he, each church, he says what they're doing right and maybe what they're doing wrong. And some of them are doing really great. Some of them are not doing so great. And here's what he says to this church at Laodicea. And I believe it applies to the Church of America in 2021. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will spit you out of my mouth or I will vomit you out of my mouth. And I'm like, man, I don't want to make Jesus puke. But come on. He said, hey, if you are lukewarm, I have no need for that. And what has always kind of gotten me is this is I can understand him saying, hey, I want you to be hot. But I never understood why he would say, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm, because in my mind, I'm like, well, at least lukewarm, you're 
you're halfway there. You're partially doing what you're supposed to be doing. But I got this revelation of actually last year, really. I was talking to God. Why did you say that? I don't get it. Why would you, why would you rather someone just be all out cold than lukewarm? And the reason is because a lukewarm Christian is a dangerous Christian. There's a lot of reasons why. They've got a false sense of security. They think, yeah, well, you know, I do the church thing when I got time. I, I'll open, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read a verse whenever, when it pops up, you know, on the verse of the day or whatever. And, and they're dangerous because in 2021, being half-baked is not good enough. That's dangerous. You gotta be all in. You need to take your faith more seriously than you've ever taken it before because the stakes are higher than they've ever been before. There is more at stake right now than there's ever been before and a lukewarm Christian doesn't even see it. They think everything's fine and that they're gonna, and that they can just go on how they're doing. But another reason a lukewarm Christian is dangerous is because they make the rest of the world think that that's what Christianity is really all about. Fake. When you're in the mood. When you feel like it, when you agree with it, and and I'm telling you, that is not how the Christian life is lived. And if you're making everybody else think that that's what it's really about, you are dangerous. And Jesus said, I'd just rather you be cold than fooling everybody and playing games. Now is not the time to play games. Now is the time to be ready, to be alert, to be ready to go at a moment's notice for Jesus. And so lukewarm Christians, they're dangerous. And so why is this lukewarm thing such a big deal? Because it's really, really easy to become lukewarm. It's the easiest thing in the world. You know, I think about it, we've used this example, but about a cup of coffee. If I put a steaming hot cup of coffee right here on the table and just leave it there, I don't have to do anything at all. Just leave it. Simply be lazy and leave it there, and it will bring itself down to the temperature of the environment around it. And that's all I had to do. On the other hand, I could take an iced coffee that's cold and sit it right there also, and guess what? Just being lazy, just not doing anything at all, it will also just bring itself up to the environment of the room around it. A lukewarm Christian, all they're doing is they absorb and they become just like the environment around them. Someone that's on fire for Jesus, they get all, they see the news, they see the health reports, they see all this stuff, and they say, no, in the name of Jesus, according to Psalm 91, his angels surround and protect me everywhere I go. The angel of the Lord is a guard, he surrounds and defends all who fear him, Psalm 34. But a lukewarm Christian says, oh, it's bad, man. It's bad and it's getting worse, brother. It's going to tell you what, man. It's, here comes the Delta wave. Here comes Echo and here comes Foxtrot right after Echo. It's bad. You think this is bad? It's just going to get worse. Man, I don't need to come to church and hear that junk. And I don't need to be around Christians to hear that junk. I can get that from the rest of the world. A Christian should not simply be a thermometer telling what the rest of the world is. They should be the thermostat changing the temperature of the environment around them. And so... You better guard your heart against becoming lukewarm and lazy and complacent because Jesus said, hey, I don't got time for that. I'll just spit that out of my mouth and move on from there. 
So we're going to talk about this this morning, and and I pray that we'll receive and we'll listen. People listening online will receive and listen, but God wants to speak to us today about this. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that in the name of Jesus, you're going to speak to us today. And God, hey, if you got to tell us the truth and it roughs us up a little bit, hey, so be it. Rough us up. We want to change, God. We do not want to live out the rest of these end times days lazy, complacent, lukewarm, and in the danger zone, Lord. We want to be on fire. We want to be ready. We want to be sharp for you so you can use us in this day. We love you. We praise you. Speak to us today in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And so I've written down here some signs of being lukewarm, all right? Because, you know, if you go to the doctor and you're like, uh, hey, I think this is going on. He's like, well, here's the signs of that situation. Do you have these going on? And I'm telling you today, I've, I've kind of written down some signs of being lukewarm. And if it hits close to home, then praise God. You don't have to say anything. We, you know, we don't, we don't need to know it's you. Just receive the word. Amen. All right. Praise God. So number one, signs of being lukewarm. Number one. You receive, but you don't give. You receive, but you don't give. Oh, here they go, talking about giving again. Well, if you're feeling that way, you're probably lukewarm. But here, let's talk about this. So I was thinking the Dead Sea in Israel is an interesting body of water uh, because it, it's actually the lowest, uh, the lowest body of water, I believe, in the world. And it has no fish in it. It has no plants. It has no life of any kind in it. It, it, It's called the Dead Sea. And, and, And the water itself is too toxic to drink. It's basically just a pointless, useless body of water. But the water that feeds into it is, uh, the, the water from the very life-giving Jordan River. And the Jordan River also feeds another sea called the Sea of Galilee. Now the Dead Sea There's no life in it. It's dead. The Sea of Galilee has beautiful, clear water. It's got fish. It's got plants. It's got wildlife and all of this. And they're both getting fed by the exact same water source. But here's the deal. The Dead Sea has no out source. It just flows there and it stops. The Dead Sea doesn't give out at all. The Sea of Galilee, it receives from the Jordan River, but then it gives out and outflows to several other bodies of water. And so it's full of life and, and, and power and, 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 and beauty because it has an inflow it receives, but it also gives out. The Dead Sea, it receives, but it never gives out. It's stagnant and stinky and gross and pretty much useless. And I think about how, you know, we're not, you're not being mean, okay? I have to preface every sermon I say these days with this, but listen. But think about how stinky and stagnant a Christian is if they only have the water coming in, but there's never any outflow. There's never any giving of it. They're stagnant and they really just, they're lukewarm. The water's just lukewarm and nasty and pretty much useless for anything. And I'm thinking, I do not want to be the Dead Sea. I want to be the Sea of Galilee. Let me show you something here to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Who's with me still today? Acts chapter 20. And we're going to look here at verse 35. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Who wants to be a giver? I want to be a giver. Man, I don't want to... 
God's given me a lot. I'll just be flat out. God has done a lot for me. He's given me life. He's given me healing. He's given me a family. He's given me the finances I need. He's given me a church to go to and be a part of. God has given me a lot. And I would just feel downright selfish if I didn't give back, if I didn't give out and and, and have an outflow out of this thing. So Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look here at verse 35. And it says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, somebody that's not a giver, a lukewarm Christian, that verse is nearly mind boggling to them. I, I, I have no idea how I, I don't get it. How could it possibly be better to give than to receive. Well, hey, if, if you're a giver, you totally get that because you realize how much blessing there is in giving. You realize how incredible it is to know that, God, you gave me some of this. I want to help somebody else out now. I want to support those missionaries. I want to support that church. I want to help these kids out. You totally get it. And you are simply just blessed to be in the position of being able to give. That verse isn't confusing at all. Somebody that's not really a giver of any kind, they're like, I don't, hey, I don't get it. I, I mean, I like to receive, and I don't see how anybody could possibly say that it's better to have to give out. You need to check your heart if you're in that spot, and you're not a giver. And am I talking about, I'm not even talking about money right now. And so if I talk about giving and your first thought goes to money, something wrong with you, man. Something's wrong there. Listen, is that part of it? Absolutely that's part of it, man. Absolutely that's part of it because the Bible talks about that, but that is not the only area of giving that the Bible mentions, okay? How about uh, talking about uh, giving in a bigger aspect? How about giving some of your time? How about Jesus is on the clock 24-7 for you and you give him 60 seconds a day if you have time? That's not a giver, friend. You like to receive, but you are not the giver right there. We need to give to Jesus. How about, hey, you help out at your church. I don't know, this is our church, but how about you help out at your church and be a giver? Uh, you help out the kids ministry. You help out the janitorial. You help out the ushers. You help out some area. But to only sit there and receive and never give makes somebody a stagnant and lukewarm Christian. That's not healthy. I'm looking, I'm talking about healthy Christians today. It reminds me of this story I heard way back in 1989. I don't know. I was a kid, so it must have been back then. But anyway, uh, there's a story of the little red hen. And so there's this chicken. She's like, hey, I like bread. I want to make some bread. And so she's like, here, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go get some flour. So she asked all the other animals, hey, is anybody willing to help me plant some wheat? And everyone's like, uh, no, I got, I, I can't help with that. And then, okay, well, she plants the wheat and harvests the wheat. And then she's like, hey, I need to mill this into some flour and make some flour out of it for the bread. Who can help me make some flour? And everyone's like, ah, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't today. I got this or I don't feel like it. That's not my thing. And then it comes down to the point of, well, we've got flour. Now I'm going to bake the bread. Who wants to help me bake the bread? And nobody wants to help. She just hears crickets. Then finally the day comes, she pulls the bread out of the oven. Hey, the bread's ready. Who wants to help me eat the bread? Everybody shows up, right? Everybody, every animal, because everybody wants to partake of eating the bread. And she says, no, 
You didn't help me plant the wheat. You didn't help me mill the flour. You didn't help me bake the bread. And you are not going to help me eat this. I'm going to be a fat, happy hen all by myself. And I think about how many people, hey, everybody wants to receive. Everybody wants the blessings of God. But seriously, who wants to be a giver? Who wants to help out and have a part of that? So not only you can have bread, but everyone else around you can have some bread. If you're a lukewarm Christian, you flat out don't care. But if you're somebody that's got a heart for God, you're like, yeah, I want to make some bread today. I want to dish out. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we are in the business of dishing out bread around here, the bread of life. And if you're lukewarm, you probably don't want no part of that. But if you want to be on fire for Jesus, you're ready to bake some bread. Who's going to bake some bread with me? All right. Now, figuratively, I can't even barely, you know, anyway, I can't even get it out of the package properly. Ask my wife, but that's okay. Praise God. All right. Number two. Okay. We're talking about signs that you're lukewarm. Number one, you receive, but you don't give number two. Sin doesn't bother you anymore. Sin doesn't bother you anymore. Don't talk about sin, man. We ain't supposed to talk about that. If we had dealt with sin a lot earlier in this nation, okay, in the last 20 years, we'd be avoiding a lot of the messes that we've got on our hands right now. But A lukewarm Christian, sin just flat out doesn't bother them anymore because they've adjusted to the environment around them. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. Look at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Amen. Is the Lord speaking to you today a little bit? That's what we're here for, man. We we aren't here to, uh, you know, give... (laughs) I heard Pastor Hagen said this, a lot of places, a lot of, the problem with a lot of, I guess, churches is the pastors are feeding cotton candy to an already diabetic congregation, right? They're just dishing out sugar, just dishing out the sweets. And hey, I like to dish out the sweets, but come on, we need the real stuff sometimes too. We need to, we need to get real. And if there's anything that I do not want to see in 2021 and 2022, we need To make sure that we are not lukewarm. We need to be on on point with Jesus. We need to be where we need to be with him. Proverbs 8, verse 13. Reading this in the New King James. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Well, that's a lot of stuff in there. And we're like, man, you shouldn't use the word hate. And I think it should go without saying, but you better know that there's not one person in this world that we hate. I don't hate anybody. I don't hate, I don't hate the Taliban. I don't hate anybody where I would say, hey, I wish they would just die and go to hell. And, and that, I mean, that's hate when you just really, you don't flat out care. And, and I can't even imagine having hatred around me. There's people that I don't really like, okay? There's people that I don't really want to... Cletus, don't laugh. You're not one of them. Cletus is laughing. I love Cletus, and I like him. But listen, there are people that I'm just saying, hey, I don't really... Uh, they're, they're, they're not my cup of tea. They're not my whatever. Maybe they've done me wrong, and that's fine. But I can say in all sincerity and with a clear conscience before God, there is not one person in this world that I hate. But there are some things that I do hate. I hate seeing... Families ripped apart and children wondering what's going on with mom and dad and what's going to happen next. I hate seeing Satan put sickness on God's children and God's people. I 
despise that stuff and I hate it. I hate seeing a lot of the things that I see today. And it says right here, the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? That is the respect and the honor and the reverence for God. If you respect, honor, reverence God, there are some things that flat out in this world you are going to hate. I hate to see the way that people treat God right now. I hate to see the way that people mock and slander and put down on and and and, and absolutely will do anything to put down on Christians. And it's okay for everybody else to do everything, but it's just flat out, it's just a despicable spot. And as a Christian, if none of those things bother you, if none of those things bother you, I don't get it. If people doing drugs and selling drugs in our neighborhoods, you're okay with that? You're okay with some foul mouth coming in front of your children and cursing and swearing and and saying nasty things? I'm not okay with that. I don't like that stuff. You're not going to disrespect my God and my wife and my kids and be a nasty pervert in front of them and me not be bothered by it. There's some things that should bother you. And if nothing, if, if you're just so neutral and lukewarm and, yeah, I don't, I, you know, whatever, man, blah, 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 blah. Listen, that's a dangerous spot to be in. You need to recognize that as a Christian who fears God, there are some things that absolutely we're not okay with. Now, I understand that I can't control everybody, and I don't try to control everybody, but I can control who is around me and who I let have input into my life and my children's lives. Amen. And if you're nasty, you're not going to be around them. Amen. We're going to guard our kids, and we're going to guard our hearts. And so we love everybody, but we don't have to love everything that everybody does, and we don't have to surround ourselves with it. And so I just, you know, I'll just go a little bit deeper. In 2011 and 12, I had probably the most spiritual, supernatural experience of my entire life, and I really came into a place where I learned God really taught me the fear of the Lord over a a six month to one year period where every day I couldn't get enough of it. And so all throughout my Bible, I've got hundreds of verses that I put F-O-T-L beside in red, fear of the Lord. And I've tried to gather as many fear of the Lord verses as I could get, because as a Christian, I want to fear God. I want, and that doesn't mean being afraid. That means respecting and reverencing and honoring him and putting him on such a level that you don't want to do anything that's displeasing to him. And so it changed my life when I got a hold of the fear of the Lord. But I noticed that even unintentionally, the more I started studying this out, most of the TV shows I used to watch, I just simply wasn't okay with anymore. And not that I, you know, watch super bad things, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not okay with them making these innuendos anymore. I'm not okay with them throwing these curse words in here. They could have totally made this whole thing without any of that junk. And it just started really rubbing me the wrong way. The music that I listen to, I'm like, you know what? I, I, I just... It just, it just, it rubs me the wrong way. And, 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 and people just saying things around me and doing things. And I understand we're in this world. We're not of this world. We're going to always have things around us. But when I really began to fear God, it changed the way that I live my life. And I've got people that tease me and make fun of me and oh, goody two shoes and holy roller and blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. I'd rather be called that than be 
puked out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. I'd rather you call me something right now than, than Jesus have to say, oh, he makes me sick to my stomach. I don't want to be like that. I remember one time we were at a family event years and years ago and, and, uh, and, and, and some, the family, they, they put on, uh, this, this movie. I won't say the name of it, but I, you know, everybody probably knows what the movie is and the actors in it. And Katie and I, we, I was just in the room and they've, the, the little kids are in the room and they're watching this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. And they're laughing, kids are laughing, people are joking. And in one of the scenes, the one guy goes to the kitchen and is messing around with his brother's wife. And everyone's just, oh, so funny. And I was stinking sick to my stomach. Everybody thought it was so funny. And I'm like, how? And, and so Katie and I get up and left. And, you know, we love, we're not, didn't even try to make a, I'm not trying to make a scene. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but there's not a chance in the world that I'm going to sit here and let that filth come into my heart and into my mind. No way. And then wonder later on while I'm having nasty thoughts, why I'm having stupid thoughts. People, man, the devil's just throwing all these lustful thoughts at me lately, brother. The devil's just throwing all these thoughts at me. And really, He's not even having to try that hard because of the things we watch on TV, the things we let scroll on our phone, the things that we let people say around us. The devil doesn't have to really work overtime when we're giving him a great big assist and polluting our mind and our heart with these things. Guard your heart against these things because it'll affect everything you do. Next thing you know, you're having nasty thoughts. Next thing you know, you're looking at nasty things. Next thing you know, you're going and doing things you shouldn't be doing. And you blame God, you blame your wife, you blame somebody else, and you didn't guard your heart against these things. I think that we should say amen right about now. Somebody? Amen? All right? And so anyway, I just, I'm not going to, I refuse to let those things uh, come in and and uh, and, and have a part uh, uh, around me or my family. Look at Psalm 97 and verse 10. Man, you're old school. I love old school. I love, I, I, I love old school. Come on. <laughs> I think they did it a lot better back then. Psalm 97. And we're going to look at verse 10. Psalm 97 and verse 10. Praise God. So what is it we're talking about? We're talking about guarding your heart against being lukewarm. Guarding your heart against being lukewarm. Because nobody wants to get spit out by Jesus. So Psalm 97, and we're going to look at verse 10, Psalm 97, verse 10. It says, you who love the Lord. Is there anybody here that you love the Lord? You're not just saying that because you're sitting in church, right? Okay, you really do. I'm just, all right, just checking. It says, you who love the Lord hate evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. Amen. And so you who love the Lord, you're going to hate evil and God protects the lives of godly people. I want to be a godly person. I want God's protection upon my life right now more than I've ever had it. And he rescues these people from the power of the wicked. Who knows? There's a lot of wicked people in the world right now. Not just over in the Middle East. There's wicked people everywhere. But if I am fearing God, if I'm respecting God and guarding my heart, man, I've got some promises to stand on. He's going to protect. He's going to guard. He's going to take care of us. And so signs that lukewarm may be coming into your life. Well, uh, you people that, that right there is that sin doesn't bother you anymore. But number three, number three, 
Here's a tall tale sign that everybody should grab a hold of. It's this. People around you don't know you're a Christian. I appreciate the silence. That's good. That's, I like, you know, usually, I don't usually like that, but, 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 but just mull it over for a minute. Do the people you work with know you're a Christian? And I'm not saying you need to be, uh, you don't need to be in there with a, a megaphone and a Bible and thumping them in the head and you will listen now, you evil little thing. No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about if you're a Christian, people should know it even if you never even told them. I noticed that uh, Raul over there, man, he, he's not ever out there talking like that. Whenever we all go out and do this, he never wants to go with it. Well, there's something different about him. And, and, I, and, and people should be able to tell that we are different. Because guess what? We are called to be different. I don't want to be like them. I, I mean, I'm flat, I, I do not want to be like everybody else in this world. There are some crazy people out there, and I don't want to be like that. If being weird means that my family is intact and that my, you know, my, we're healthy and that God's protecting us and that we aren't living in fear and that I've got a church to go to, if that's weird, call me weird. I want to be weird. I don't want to be out there, my family ripped to shreds, my, you know, sick all the time, and, and, and the devil just ransacking my finances, depressed, miserable, never happy. I don't want to be like that. If that's normal, you can keep normal. I'll stay on the weird team, okay? But listen, I'm the, people should know that we are Christians. One of my friends one time was telling me, he's like, man, I think I better, I, I need to probably examine myself. I'm like, okay, what's going on? He said, well, I told some of the guys the other day that I couldn't go out with them that night because I, I had church on Wednesday nights. And all my friends nearly about passed out. They're like, what? You go to church? You? You go to church? And listen, if people nearly faint at the revelation that you go to church... That's probably not a good sign. That's a, people shouldn't nearly pass out when they find out that you're a Christian, you're a churchgoer. They should have, well, I, yeah, I figured, I, I get it, you seem like that type of person. And, and, but, but if people are shocked and floored to find out that you actually go to church, there's a great chance that you're a lukewarm Christian. It should not surprise anybody that you go to church and that your family serves the Lord. That should not be a shocker. People should have just, I I assumed that, but okay. But listen to me. Do the people you work with, even if you're not out there preaching to them, I get that, but, but do the people you work with, can they tell that you serve Jesus? Can they tell that you don't live in the kingdom of darkness anymore? Can they tell that you've been adopted into the family of God? Can they tell that you have been Born again, can they tell? Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16. I promise I'm getting somewhere with all this today, I promise. And uh, I will encourage you by the end. I know, I will encourage you. Some people are like, hey, I, I came to get the fuzzies today. I came to get the feels today. Well, we'll give you the feels, but but check it out. we got to get real for a minute. you got to get reels before you get the feels. Somebody put that on there. Okay, hey, I... Trying. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And here we've got something that Jesus said, and this is a powerful statement for the New Testament Christian. Matthew chapter 5, 
verses 14 through 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Why? Well, no, 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 we're not. Jesus is. Well, Jesus did say that I am the light of the world. Yes, Jesus is the light of the world. But then here he tells us that you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one puts no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. How many of you guys, you get home, you turn on the lamp, then you get a large basket and place it over the lamp. And then you say, oh, there we go. Now everybody's comfortable. I feel better now because those that don't like light around here, it won't offend them. But at least on the inside, I know that there is still a light source. I feel good about that. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, just turn the thing off and save your electricity if you're going to be like that. But that's how silly it is when somebody refuses to stand up for Jesus, refuses to be the light of the world. You've got a light on the inside, maybe, but you just put a basket over it. Yeah, just in case there's someone here that doesn't like light, I'll just hide mine and that'll make everything better. That doesn't make everything better. That makes everything worse. The world is a dark place these days. And if all the Christians, if all the lights put a basket over their light, it's just going to get darker. It's not going to fix one single thing. And so Jesus said in verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. We need to live our faith out. We need to we need to be the light of the world and quit covering it up over fear of offending people because I found out that I'm going to probably offend people whether I'm trying to offend them or not. Being a Christian is an offensive thing these days, all right? I'm probably going to offend people even if I'm not even trying to do it. But I would a whole lot rather offend people than offend Jesus. I can live if, you know, you don't like me anymore. I, you know, I've come to terms. I can live with that. But I can't live with the fact of Jesus puking me out of his mouth. I can't live with offending Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I need them. I need them every single day. I need them more than I need any person in this world. I flat out cannot offend them and and, and kick them out of my life over the sake of sparing somebody else. Now, I'm not out there trying to rub people wrong and offend people. Those that know me know that I am the last person in the world that wants to do that because I'm really soft. <laughs> I'm really, you know, I don't like to rub people. I don't like to offend people. I like to make everybody nice and happy. But flat out, there's some things that I cannot make you happy on. And I cannot do what pleases you if it's going to go against what pleases God Almighty. I can't do it. I've, I've, I've come that I can't do it anymore. I've got to please him. And so, I, you know, I hear people, you know, well, faith is a private matter. And I hear politicians say this because they don't want to have to, you know, stand over. The, uh, you know, sir, what are your beliefs? You know, according to, well, uh, if faith is a private matter. And I am a person of faith, but I prefer not. You say that because you're not a person of faith. You say that because you don't have any faith. If you are a person of faith, if you are a Christian, you want people to know, and it doesn't embarrass you for people to know that you're a Christian, unless you're lukewarm and you're just afraid of what everybody has to say. But let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16, because this is where we need to be with the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 1. Is anybody with me still today? 
We're talking about guarding your heart above all else because it affects everything you do. And so you may be having issues in an area way over here. And if you were able to trace it back, you'd find out, oh, that's because I didn't guard my heart way over here. But, but those two things aren't related. It doesn't matter. Your heart affects everything you do. Every aspect of your life is affected by your heart and by your spirit. And so if you don't guard your heart over here against pride, you may end up having issues over here with sickness. Or you may have issues over here with your marriage. You may have issues over here. And you're like, well, they aren't related. It doesn't matter if they're related. Your heart affects every aspect of your life. And so Romans 1.16, I love what the Apostle Paul said right here. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Who in here you're ashamed and embarrassed of the gospel because it is out of date with society standards today? Any hands? I mean, anyone? No, no. I, I would hope not, but I love what Paul said. People, man, people were bringing the heat back then. And here we are like, I don't want to talk about it because someone at work might, you know, it, it may offend them. It may hurt them wrong. When there are people in the Middle East, come on. Yeah, but they, they, they persecute me and they make fun of me for praying for my lunch. So I'll just do it in private now. If that's all it takes to make you back off from Jesus. You are lukewarm, and I'm not afraid to say it. When we've got people over there that got a knife to them, and they say, no, I won't give No, 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 no. I refuse to back up. Go ahead and kill me, but I will never let go of Jesus. And we've been so comfortable and had it so easy that all it takes is the devil to go, boop, and we take off running. Come on. Come on, somebody. Listen to me. Christians here in America... And everywhere, we need to get some backbone and some guts and have some sort of standards again where we say, you know what, you, th- this line can't be crossed. I, I, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna let you, I'm not, I'm not gonna put up with that in my life. You can do that over there, but not here. Listen, do people know you're a Christian? And Paul said, hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not embarrassed about it. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everybody who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. That means every single person. Jesus is the answer. He's the power of God to save us. And I'm not ashamed of that, but we've got to get a hold of that. And so the final thing I'm going to say today is this. Number four, these are just some signs. This is just, I mean, this is easy stuff. This is basic stuff. But signs that you may be slipping into the lukewarm category. Number four, God gets your leftovers. God gets your leftovers. Well, what what does that mean? I, I don't get that. God gets your leftovers. And, uh, and, you know, a lukewarm Christian is someone that they'll give God some of their time. No problem. If I've got extra, I'll gladly give some to you. Hey, I grew up in a house. We had there's eight kids in that house and most of us were boys. Right. And so, hey, my brothers would gladly give some of their pizza to me if they ate all that they wanted. They happened to have a little extra left over. Like, OK, fine, I'll give you some. And it wasn't out of the goodness of their heart. It was because, hey, I don't need any more for me. 
And some people, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do something for God if I've got leftovers. If I've taken, if I've got what I want, then, then I'll give God leftovers. You know, ladies, think about this. Think about this. What if your man calls you up and he's like, hey, baby, baby girl, bae, listen, I've got a night planned for us tonight. Uh, we're gonna, I've got a, I'm gonna have a date, dinner, a gift. And you're like, oh man, I can't wait. What if Romeo picks you up? And, and you're like, oh, here we go. And he, let's just say, this is all, this is a pretend story, but he just drives you over to the food for less parking lot. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I'm, uh, oh, that's okay. And he's like, you ready for dinner, babe? Sure. He pulls out a paper sack and gives you a half-eaten sandwich and an opened up bag of chips. And you're like, oh, oh, that's okay. Wow. I'm trying to do a girl voice. I don't know. I'm trying. It's not easy, but and you're like, he's like, yeah, you know what, baby, I love you. Um, this was leftover from my lunch at work today, and so I love you so much. I wanted to give you. It was leftover. I, I don't, don't even thank me. It's fine. And I had it already. It's yours. And you're like, oh, okay. And so then, then he's like, baby, um, I promised you a gift. I, I did promise to do something for you. So he he pulls out a, an old greasy screwdriver, you know, out of the glove box or something. He's like. Um, here, have this. I don't really use this one much anymore. I, you can have that. It's yours. It, it's a, it's an extra. It's extra. I'll just give that to you. And you're like, oh, okay. Wow. That's great. And so, uh, uh, let's, let's go on the date. Let's go on. And so he, he takes you home, kicks up his feet and puts on reruns of his favorite old show. And you're like, okay, we've done this. Okay. That's cool. And he's like, baby, no need to thank me. This is all leftover stuff I already had. You're number one in my heart and in my mind. You are number one. And I'm thinking, you'd be thinking, my number one, I feel like I'm number five. Like, who else ate that sandwich? Who else, you know, used that screwdriver? Who else watched that show with you? I don't feel like number one. I feel like the leftovers, the extra, because you just happen to have nothing else to do. How many people treat Jesus like that? Oh, you know what, Jesus, I'm not using this. I'd be yeah, sure take that. Uh, uh, I'll, there's nothing else to do today. We have one day off. I guess we could bother ourselves, kids, to go do this and go do that for God. Don't give Jesus your leftovers. Matthew 6, 33. Pop it up on the screen there. Matthew 6, verse 33. In the New King James, it says, but seek first. Seek first. Seek first. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When do we seek the kingdom of God? This is not a trick question. I would appreciate a little more feedback. When do we seek the kingdom of God? First. And everybody else is, everybody is claiming, man, you said all these things will be added unto me. You said that you would do this. Well, God, you gave me promises. God, you said all these things we needed would be added. And he said, yeah, they will be if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When you love Jesus, you'll do anything it takes to spend time with him. You'll make excuses to spend time with him. I can't go out tonight. I, you know, I'm going to be over here reading my Bible. You'll make excuses to get up early. When Katie and I were dating, man, I was thinking about this like, man, 
we was in love when we <laughs> we were 17. I, I don't know. It, it worked out. But but so, I mean, I loved her, dude. I loved her so much. And the problem was is that I didn't have a cell phone. I had my space on a desktop computer, somebody. That was awesome. But anyway, uh, but 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 listen, there was uh, no I didn't have no cell phone. I didn't go to the same school. We lived in different towns. I would do anything I could do if I could just spend 15 minutes with her. I mean, anything. And so her dad, my father-in-law, had a very strict rule. She had to be off the phone by 10 o'clock, and he would enforce it. Absolutely. We had landlines back then. You guys ever heard of a landline? Okay, yeah, they used to run this wire to your house, and you'd talk on the... So you talk on that. And so, anyway, he'd get on the other line at 10 and say, Katie, get off the phone. It's bedtime. And, hey, we had to listen. And so here's the problem is that I, I went to school, I went to basketball practice, and from basketball practice, I had to walk to my job frying chicken. Yes, I fried chicken, it was awesome. And so, I had to walk there, we closed at 9, and if I worked my hardest, I could get home by 9.45 and have 15 minutes to talk to the love of my life. And so, you better listen, dude. Before Katie, I didn't care what time I got home. I was making $5 an hour, okay? I could take that extra buck from staying late, and I could go get me a taco somewhere. I was good. But after Katie, I didn't care about the money. I wanted anything I could do. I was desperate for 15 minutes with her. As soon as the chicken place closed, I was running, I was doing my job, I was doing their job, I was doing his job, I was cleaning the front, cleaning the back, scrubbing the floors, scrubbing the bathrooms, anything I could do so I could get a ride home. I didn't have a car, I was a little bit poor, so I had to do anything I could do. I would get a ride home and get back there, and if on a good day I had 15 minutes, and it was all worth it, every bit of that, to talk to the one that I loved. And then I'm thinking, man, as a Christian, you know, I love Jesus so much. There's some people that I'll just have to say no to sometimes. There's some things that, you know what, I got, I've, I've got to be... I've got to be with Jesus today. I've got to do this or we can't go out this weekend. We can't do that. I've got to get into the house of God with the people of God to hear the word of God, to worship God. I've got to be with Jesus right now. I'll make it. I'll tell. I will flat out do whatever I've got to do to spend some time with Jesus. And so as Christians, I'm encouraging us today. I just want to encourage us today how real of a thing that this is, that we have got to start taking our faith and our Christian life more seriously than we've ever taken it before. And, you know, as we've been talking about our brothers and sisters in the Middle East over there, you know, I think, again, one of the problems that we have is that we've been very comfortable for very long. There's a lot of danger and comfort. When we're comfortable... And, you know, I'm, I praise God for the comfort. I love that. I like it. But being comfortable all the time can be a dangerous spot. You let your guard down, and that's when the enemy comes in and starts firing some shots at the heart. Sometimes we got to be like First Peter 5, 8 says, and it says, Stay alert, be sober, be vigilant. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone whom he may devour. 
But I love what Peter said. The NLT says, stay alert. The King James says, be sober, be vigilant, keep your guard up, be ready at all times. And as we just are always comfortable, we slowly let the shield down, we slowly let the guard down, and sometimes we aren't prepared for the things that the enemy brings. Guard your heart above all else and be ready for anything the enemy throws at us. You've got, it's 2021. I mean, come on. It's not 1921. It, you know, there's bad things back then. It's not 1991. There's bad things back then. This is 2021 and being a lukewarm, half-baked, part-time Christian is not going to get the job done. You have got to be on guard. You have got to be ready. You have got to have your head in the game. You have got to have the shield of faith held up. You have got to have the sword of the spirit ready to go at a moment's notice. You cannot play games anymore. And so I think about, again, I'll, I'll close down here in a minute. I'm getting there. But but as we praying for the, the Christians in Afghanistan today, can you do you know how mind-blowing it would be if I told them, Hey, we've got this 15,000 square foot building with six air conditioners, uh, you know, uh, uh, coverage from the sun, padded chairs, carpet. We've got, I mean, it, if they knew where you were sitting right now to worship God, and even then, there's plenty of people, I'm not talking just about this church, but every church in America that just weren't in the mood today. Just, well... Uh, the preacher quit being funny last week. He got real serious, so I don't. I like him when he's funny. Or, you know, uh, uh, the, the, this was that, this and that, and this and that. Do you know what those people would say? You go to a church that has a roof on it. You, your your air is conditioned, huh? You sit in chairs. You you have a roof. You you have you have a building you go to, and you don't go to it unless you're in the mood. Unless you've got nothing better to do that day. Hey, you're here. Don't look at me like that. You're actually here, so I'm not talking about you. But I'm talking about I'm just, but just in general, okay? Do you realize, and I, and I mean, I, I feel this, that my bad day would be a good day for most of them. My worst day would be a major upgrade for a lot of this stuff that they face and go through, how dare me take for granted the freedom, the liberty, the gifts that we've been given? How dare me not put Jesus number one? I don't even have anyone coming after me. I don't have anyone. You know what I mean? How dare us live this lukewarm, nonchalant, lazy Christian lifestyle when there's people in this world that they would love to have what we have right now. So I'm asking us as Christians to crucify our flesh, crucify our feelings, crucify our emotions and our moods and our attitudes and say, I don't care if I feel like it. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Even if I don't feel like it today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve God, even if I'm not in the mood. Even if somebody looked at me wrong. Even if somebody didn't do what I wanted them to do. Even if it's not convenient today. Everything else can wait. Jesus comes 
first, he's number one. What if we did that? What if? And so I just challenge us today as we're talking about guarding our heart above all else. Don't let yourself become a lukewarm Christian. Guard your heart. If you see some things slipping into your life that are changing who you are on the inside, stop it now. Get a hold of it. We'll help you, but get a hold of it. Stop it because we need every able-bodied man and woman, every possible Christian to be ready to go in these end times because I've been saying this for I would say several years now, but especially last year, everybody was like, hey, what's next? I'm like, well, there's probably going to be some more crazy stuff happen next. Then we had riots and cities burning and blah, 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 blah. And then, well, okay, at least that's done now. We can get back to normal. No, because then this is going to happen. And then and then they're going to attack Israel and then Afghanistan and all this stuff. Listen, we don't have to be afraid. We're Christians, right? I mean, come on. We we know even if someone killed us, we're going to heaven. Praise God. But. Things are going to get crazier. Things are going to get crazier in this world. And I don't want to be sitting there lukewarm and stagnant and nasty and half-baked when Jesus comes back. And I'm sitting there not knowing up from down, left from right, not knowing what in the world I'm doing. When Jesus comes back, I want to say, hey, I am ready. And there's a whole bunch of people right here in Barstow that are ready. Pull us up. Get us out of here. We're ready to go. And so I encourage us, I challenge us with everything that I am. Don't be lukewarm. Get on fire for God. Stay there. Pump yourself full of the word, full of prayer, full of church, full of the people of God. And listen, when you love him, you'll make time. Well, I don't have no time. Oh, you'll find it. Because what I found out is if I really want something, I'll find the time. There's nothing. If I really want it, hey, if I want Chick-fil-A, I will drive to Victorville and get it. I will sit in that stupid line all the way up. That Anyway, listen to me. If I really want it, I'll make a way. I'll make a way. So listen to me. If you really want Jesus, you'll you'll find the time. You'll find the way. You'll You'll make it happen. But don't just, but don't sit there and lie and say, oh, I really want him. I really do. I do, but I just don't, I, I just, I don't have no time. That's a lie because you do. We can make it happen. We can. We make time for what we want. We'll get up early. We'll stay up late. We'll, we'll figure it out. But listen to me. It's time for Christians right now to rise up and be the force that we were called to be. Guard your heart from becoming lukewarm. And Jesus is going to use you big in these end times. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.